forget about me. I love you. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum, and producer Marcus Sasson behind the scenes. This quote leads us to our guest today, Mark Dowdle. Dowdle and I have played on the same college football team. We've coached together, and we've constantly helping each other find a path of self-improvement through our late night hot tub talks. He's one of the most motivated and driven people I know, and he recently just finished up Calendar Club, which had him run 471 miles and seven plus marathons all in April. Today, we talked about that accomplishment and what he learned from it, how to find your own meditation and the process of that, and what it means to be a leader. This was an awesome podcast with a really, really good friend of mine. And while it may be different than some of the coaches that we have on this podcast, I'm really interested in just talking to winners, talking to people that have that mindset and digging into the why behind what they do. I really hope you guys get a lot out of this podcast. Thank you guys for listening. All right, well, Mark, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. I'm, I'm pumped for you to be here. It is nice to finally sit down and talk with you, Austin. I think, uh, I think for the listeners out there, this has been a long time coming. I mean, we have these talks quite a bit in the hot tub conversations that we have, but we've been missing those lately because <laughs> it's been close. So it's, it's been nice to get back here and catch up with you. Yeah, we, uh, Mark and I coached together at St. Thomas, as we talked about in the intro, but we... we we have these deep talks about life and direction and passions and where we go with life. And what, like Mark mentioned, we haven't been able to have them because of quarantine, but also we, we had a podcast scheduled earlier and uh, I had a broken cord. So the universe wasn't ready for it in that moment, but it's well, ready now. Well, let's talk about that real quick. How, how did that cord break? The, the cord broke with bad preparation on my part. Yeah, so I was, that's yeah. what we're really trying to weed so, so, so my studio isn't set up like it normally is. And I had to transition everything in my car and it just wasn't wasn't very smooth. It was it was in the in the mic and it just bent and broke and wasn't very good planning on my part. That's how it goes sometimes, Austin. Yeah. But it's ownership is the first uh, the first step to getting back on track. I'm happy we were able to do it today, though. Uh, I have to go pick up McKenna from the airport. So that'll be a, I'm halfway there at this point. Before we get into a bunch of tangents here, do you want do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, how we have this relationship here, and kind of the journey that you've taken with your life yeah, so far? Yeah, so I'm originally from the suburbs of Chicago, about 25 miles north of the city. Grew up in the suburbs, not too much different than some of the suburbs around here in the Twin Cities. Just growing up, was very active, um, loved playing all sorts of sports. Um, I think around the age 10 or 11 was when I first realized that maybe I was a little different athletically and different in, in the way that I don't want to say isolating, but um, yeah, I was in grade school and I was definitely uh, teased by some of the older guys in the grade. Um, and so I think uh, on the playground, it was a little more intense where we... Uh, we play sports together out there. Um, and then transitioning into high school, I was a three sport athlete. Um, and I think I really found who I was as a competitor through basketball. Um, if you watched me play, if you watched me play, I was the Dennis Rodman. I was on the ground more than anyone diving for loose balls. Um, and I think I would say that if you talk to anyone who watched me play basketball in high school and those people that really appreciated how I play, I don't think anything I do the rest of my life will ever surprise those types of people. Like 
as far as the running, as far as everything I'm doing now, it would be spot on to, um, to where I'm going. Um, and then Charlie, my cousin was playing football at St. Thomas. And as my decision to attend a university came, uh, my senior year, I was looking at a few different places and decided to play football and lacrosse at St. Thomas. And that's where our relationship began. Uh, Austin's a year older than me. Um, and so, um, just playing football together. Um, Austin was also a bouncer at some of the late night establishments that, uh, he was kind enough that we built a, we built a different type of relationship at those, which we can dive into later. Um, and then after graduation this last year, I was on the coaching staff with you at St. Thomas. And so I think, uh, it's been a long journey of sports and our relationship has specifically grown through the athletics and and the late night. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the I think there's a, I think we'll dive into it as we progress throughout the podcast, but like the different levels of relationship, you know, like how how it's been evolving. But one thing that I wanna I wanna touch on is you, you talked about that competition factor and the if people saw you play basketball they wouldn't be surprised by anything you've been doing. Uh, if people saw you play football, they wouldn't be surprised by anything that you're doing. Same thing with lacrosse. Like I've watched all of the, I played with you on football. I've seen your lacrosse highlight and I've seen that basketball highlight tape you've tweeted out. And uh, the one thing I want to talk about there is kind of the the similarities of almost how you do one thing is how you do everything and kind of continuing to live your life in the same like all out manner. Like how has that helped you? How has that established in your life and kind of diving deep into that? I, it's just the competitive nature, like going back to 10, 10, 11 years old, uh, seventh grade on a seventh and eighth grade football team. And I was a cornerback and I was split in time with one of the eighth graders. And I remember being told like, all right, next rotation's mine. And it was late in the game. And the eighth grader is like, no, I'm going in. And I said, no, you're not, man. I'm going in. Like, and like opportunities like that obviously can ostracize you. And it definitely isolated me in that sense. Um, and I frankly just I didn't care because it was an opportunity for me to display that competitive nature. Um, and I would say that common that common threshold throughout all the sports is the, the willingness to like be relentless and careless. <sighs> careless is a tough word because. Uh, I was going to say careless with my body, but what we say is like complete disregard for your body for the betterment of the team. And I think um, a very high level, that's just sacrifice. Um, and I loved what I really loved about those types of roles. Cause as you brought up lacrosse, like my favorite part was stepping in front of a shot and eating it and wearing it wherever it hit me. Um, or basketball was, uh, diving for loose balls, taking charges, doing the gritty type of work. Like, you look at the stat book after the game, I'd have two points, three assists, and four fouls. <laughs> and you look at some of the the star players on the team, and it would be like 18 points, eight assists, and two fouls. And you couldn't define me by what was in the stat book, but if you watched the game, you would understand. And what I really liked about that is it was a role that someone had to fill. And it was a role that I saw myself doing at the highest level better than anyone else because I had that competitive nature in me. Um, and I don't know if that was something that I do know. It was something that is a part of who I am, 
but it is also something that I think a lot of my coaches saw within me and really tried to push me down that road. I remember a certain practice, I was coming off of football into basketball my junior, senior year, and it's my second week back. And we're out there, I'm basically running scout team and there's a ball like jump into the sideline and I dive for it and our starting big man is right there. I take out his legs and the head coach is just like, I swear to effing God, if you hurt one of our players, like I love the, I love the energy, but don't you be hurting our guys. So it's like, didn't matter where it was, it was practice games on school like playground it's just that competitive nature um and that's why i talk about quite a bit is like i'd rather go outside and play two on two three on three basketball than watch like an nba playoff game because i i like to compete more so than i love the game itself and it's just like competing within that whatever it is um there's something about it that really hits hits home with me yeah and we we talked about a little bit um in a lot of our hot tub talks about where this like that like that urge to compete comes from uh, and we mentioned like a little bit of that like the inner demons and a little bit being able in that moment with that competition to be able to silence a little bit of that or mm-hmm. to be able to feel like you're doing something and it's not eating you up alive i want to i want to talk about how that has kind of driven you through these these periods and how you've transitioned that to where and this is where a lot of people struggle is they have that that outlet for those demons they have that outlet for that competition and then they get this period to where the sport's over this period's over the thing that they were really good at is over and then you have that dry period of like what what now like what do i do with all this competition you you know it could be used for something good but now you're stuck in a spot where you don't have an outlet for it and it starts to eat you up and then you transition to where you are now can you talk about a little bit about that kind of process for you yeah and like that transition after college was it was difficult but i had started asking those questions and what i'll say is to anyone i talk to someone who's graduating the spring who's in a similar situation to where i was both mentally and physically and spiritually in a lot of sense and what i talked to him about was if you're sitting here and you're asking those questions, you've already started on the path. Whatever direction you want to go, it starts with asking those questions. Even if you're doing 90% of the things wrong and you're still sitting there and you're still asking yourself like, shit, man, why am I still doing those things? Or shit, man, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm not doing anything, but there's nothing to do. And all my friends around me aren't really doing a whole lot. So it's fine, but I still don't feel fulfilled in what I'm doing, or I don't feel like I'm progressing on a day-to-day basis. So what I'll say is like, be patient. And what really helped for me is what I was thinking about earlier today and and this week is you got to allow yourself time. Remember what really planted the seed with me is with my brother and it's my brother's birthday today. So shout out to him. Shout out. Birthday. I sent him a text earlier today, but this was back in end of February of last year. He sent me the Joe Rogan podcast with David Goggins. And I had never heard of Goggins. I had never heard of, I didn't really listen to Joe Rogan a whole lot. I didn't know what ultra marathons were. And it was a combination of that and like, holy shit, people do this like hundred mile. And a lot of it's to me sounded mental. Like this guy just mentally got through it. And 
And just doing that, I, I started waking up at like 4.30 in the morning and going for runs after going to practice at mid, ending at midnight for lacrosse. I was getting like three hours of sleep. I was like, this is so sick. I'm doing all these things. But And then I failed and then it went off for a long time. But transitioning to, from post-college to like a year now, I was hearing guys like you, Austin, guys like Declan and Andrew and Sarah specifically. I sat down with him and had a conversation where we talked about goals. We talked about where do you want to be in a year? Like, what are you doing now? And maybe just looking back six months on things that when you started asking yourselves these questions, where are you now? Where have you improved? And understanding that a year out, which I can now look back and be a year out, like I feel really good about that progress. And it's very hard to to see that in the moment. But you just have to trust that if you're asking those questions and you're seeking guidance from people that are in that reach like you or um, the guys I just mentioned, like Jordan Lindell, like all these guys that are just doing things differently than a lot of the other people, um, that's going to be really crucial. And patience is is really big. Like even even in the like we'll dive into April, but it was the very last day of April, and I was getting very impatient with the day and with people very close to me, and I just had to be aware of that. And I sat down and I took like five minutes to just breathe. And then I was like, okay, I need to call this person right now, clear the air and then move forward. But it's like taking that pause and taking that, that patient pause to do so. Yeah. Um, and that, that reflection period you talk about is something I find myself doing more and more um, because it is like, once you make that jump and I, this is where I think a lot of people get like lost a little bit is they think once you make that first initial jump, like everything's smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. Like, and a lot of times you get stuck and that that's your new normal. Like you made a huge jump and now this is your new normal and now you're still facing the struggles in this new normal. And without you being able to take that time to reflect and look back on it. And I, I don't know why I thought about this on the way here, but I was talking about like back in grade school, like when somebody passed you in the lunch line, that used to be the biggest fucking deal <laughs> ever. Like that used you're to right. drive you nuts and yeah. you're like, that person sucks like this. And I was just thinking about that. I was like, I feel like a lot of the issues and situations that we're in currently, like it's that kid passing you in a lunch line in the moment. It's the biggest thing in the world. If you look back on it in 10 years, it's going to be absolutely nothing and something for you to laugh about. Right. And and that was hard for me to just the, the ending of what you said is like in 10 years, it won't matter in that sense. And early on, um, specifically in the first three years of school at, at St. Thomas, it was, okay, well, in 10 years, none of this is going to matter. So how I act doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between the small stuff doesn't matter. And there's a meaning within how you interact within those small moments. Um, I, I was the, the day after I finished calendar club, I was reflecting on, I was sitting out in the morning before the day started, I was just journaling. And one of the things that came to me was like, imagine there's four cups in front of you and they're all, um, there's one that's like six inches in front of you, one twelve, one eighteen, And the first cup just represents like a cup of juice. That's your earlier years. And you're always reaching for it. You might need a little help, but as those like first 12 years go on, you're starting to get more comfortable and you start to learn things. You start to be able to um, acquire skills to do things on your own. 
and then you're able to like fully drink that cup of juice and then that nux cup is like like for me it was always like my parent my mom was a big coffee drinker and so it's like i'm 12 years old i want to drink coffee too or something like that and what she or and and what you really see is like 12 year olds drinking their starbucks frappes and you just look dumb like <laughs> you think that like acquiring what's in the cup or like drinking from the cup is going to give you all of that wisdom or the things that make up that cup and for me it was less about making it known that i was drinking from the cup and doing the proper steps to get to that cup. What were the things I need to acquire to embody what that cup represented so that when I had made those long strides, it wasn't about drinking from the cup at all. I didn't care about the cup because it was about embodying what it is to be that cup. It goes along with like the chop wood carry water. It's chop wood. You do the work, you get the results. And when you get the results, is it, do you go back to work or are you satisfied with that result? Are you embodying the being of that work or are you just doing the work to get the work done? And a very, this, this moment replays in my head quite frequently. And it was last fall when we sat down in, um, on South campus, what's the, the eating place that shut down? Ooh, um, um, the ice cream bar. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. Either way, but we were sitting down at the bins, the bins. Yep. And, uh, David Danhauer, we were eating with him. We were eating with all our friends and David just said, like, you look really happy. Like you look like you're doing really great. And it wasn't anything that I said. I was just fully in that moment. Um, being myself and for someone like David, who I, we played football with, he's seen me at that super intense chip on the shoulder type of attitude for him to say that and recognize that only gave me confidence to continue to like work that process because it wasn't about making it known and more about just embodying what it, what it meant to acquire that and let that be seen for itself. And the, I want to draw this back a little bit to, you talked about if you're asking the question, you're probably on the right path. And this is something that I think I I for sure struggled with. And I think probably you did as well is asking that question or putting yourself in a situation to accept the path that you're on is not right. And I think, especially in situations like yours and I's, we can, we have got away with a lot of stuff throughout without college because of success, because of athletic talent, because of these things. And you're able to get away with a lot of stuff. You're able to get away with not living your life correctly, even though you probably know deep down it's not correct, but you're getting praise for it on Saturday. You're getting these, these benefits that hide your faults. What was that process like to ask that question of yourself to take that first step and look at yourself and we have it up over here. Like when you look at, when you look in the mirror, who stares back at you? Like when you looked in the mirror, you finally said, Hey, like, fuck this. I'm not going to look at this person anymore. Yeah. Um, for me, it didn't come in the form of like that moment where I looked in the mirror and, and I was like disgusted by the person looking back at me because it was a lot of like just the talk throughout the day that was that like self-reflection of that mirror of like how I was talking to myself. And I go back to some of the journals I had back in um, college and it was a lot of like 
you're a fucking idiot. You're making these mistakes. Stop making these mistakes. Stop doing these things. You know, these things are wrong. And like, almost like piling on the negativity and piling on like reinforcing you're not doing a great job. Um, I remember a conversation I had with my dad. It was my junior year my in the spring. And I was walking from my house to campus. And this, this is a funny story because I asked him, I'm like, when am I going to feel mature? Like, when am I going to feel grown up? And I was expecting it to just happen one day, like at a certain point of age or um, like once I graduate or once I once like we win a national championship or some type of result was going to make me feel a certain way. And what really and I haven't I haven't really gone back to that thought in quite a while to really understand. But the framework from what I was thinking of then is like. You, I can, I can remember everything about that, that day leading up to that conversation, leading up to that question. But if you ask me what my dad's response was, I had no idea. I don't remember. And I think that speaks to where my mind was during that time of, I wanted the answer right now. And when I didn't hear it, it didn't resonate because I wasn't actually listening. I was just waiting for the response of like, it'll happen during this time. And it doesn't work like that. Like, it doesn't just happen. It's, it's not some external result or something that's going to come along and you're going to feel, you're going to wake up one day and feel mature. For me, it was working that process of, of like when, when we said earlier, like you're asking yourself those questions. And when you start listening, instead of, just like expecting the answer you want to hear. That's when it'll start to, you'll start to feel a little different. Your, your perspective will start to change. And um, that's where it kind of shifted to. Yeah. And I, I love the, you, you talked about being mature and like when this event happens, you'll feel mature. And for me, it was a little bit of the, the fulfillment. It was like, that, that's what drove me for so long is because I, I knew there was a piece of my life missing. There was something wrong. There was almost like that whole, and I, I just kept waiting for the the thing, you know, mm-hmm. the thing to fill that hole. It was the the award. And like when that one award didn't work, it was the, it was the next award. It was that national championship. It was being really successful. And and then once you reach a point of getting all these awards and there's there's no more awards to get, there's no next level to get that. that That's when it's almost like the the the. The, the valley that you, that you, that we talk about a lot because there's, there's no next level. And that's when you really realize like all of that was pretty much for nothing. Right. Like that, that's not going to, it's trying to cover that hole with something that's not going to ever cover it. And you spent all this time and process and journey to try and do that. And now you're at what everybody appears to be a mountain. And that's, that that's what I love. Like breaking down with successful people is their mountain and you're, you're actually in that valley. And that's where I think you're, you're kind of stuck in that little chaos part of your life. Yeah. And to, I guess to get back to your original question of how, you know, how are you able to get away with it and get away with it for so long? For me, it was like, well, I'm getting the result and I can display that I'm getting the result. Like in school, I didn't give a shit about school. And so a lot of that came down to me cheating on tests or really bullshitting homework assignments in order to, as long as I could get a grade that was good enough. It was like, who cares? Like I'm getting that result. So my process was 
horrible. My process with dog shit. And it was sort of similar to that with like my mental side of things of, well, I'm performing on game day with football. I'm showing up, I'm lifting, but how am I, how are other areas of my life coming into play? Because like the process of getting good grades was shit. And maybe the process of like building relationships with people um, was not the best as well. And it was just like all these different areas start to build and, and morph into one where eventually like it's going to, there's too much going on. Like it's going to explode. Like there's, there's too much BS going on where you can't keep it up with all that. You're trying to juggle so many BS, so much BS in the air at once. Like eventually something's going to fall. And that's a tough thing about it is you don't know where it's going to come from, where that like, that crack in the system's gonna, you know, have the whole foundation and everything fall down. And um, you can get away with it for so long. And then when one area, um, specifically with me, is like when one area would fall down, it was like, all right, now I, I gotta find a way to pile more bullshit on to see if I can get through this. And when I get through it, it's like, all right, we're good. Like, and then it's just like a waiting game for that next problem to come. And, so I guess just getting back to the original question of like, you can, you can get away with it for so long because when you project this external success and you can perform or at least present the data in a way that shows success, then nobody really questions it. And the ones that do, um, you don't like when they do, yeah. you, you like push them away or yeah, like you don't like being called out because it's a, it's a hit at like, you are full of shit. Somebody's telling you full of shit, but no one else knows it except for that person. So how can I separate myself from that person? And you have now you have stuff to back up that you're not full of shit because yes. you, you're, you have the good grades. Like mm -hmm. even if that person's like calling you out on those grades, it's like, yeah, but look at this. Yeah. Like it's working. So that's yeah. where I think yes. su yes. success can be very tricky in that yeah. situation. I want to know how you've with the, with the coaching world and where you're at now, how you've taking taken these lessons and kind of what you want to do with these lessons, how you've applied this to your life currently to be able to get this message out. So at the end of the day, I think kids are always going to go through this process of learning who they are themselves. But how can you, in some sense, be that Andrew and Sarah to the next adult? You know, like, how can you be that person that I, I call it a light bringer to help them get out of that hole and just show them, hey, this is where I messed up. You can you can learn from some of these things. And here's a path to do it. And there's a way like if I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah, it's it's acting on top of speaking. I won't say acting and not speaking because I think they're both important together. Um, and it's, it's interesting because you posted something today about um, like a lot of people have philosophies or there was um, it, it was like actually going out and doing instead of saying it was, the, it was the final sentence of whatever you posted today. And it was, it spoke to me because it was like, I, I know there's a bunch of lessons. I know I've heard a lot of philosophical type, like the way you do anything is the way you do everything. It's Coach Caruso one or another one by him that like I'm trying to embody as well as like mature or discipline is when you do the things you need to do over the things you want to do. Maturity is when the things you want to do become the things you need to do. Like those make sense at a high level. But when they really start to ingrain into you is when you start like acting that out into your daily life. 
And for me, that comes through running because I can act out the things that I say and like try and learn something from it. Um, and that's what I'm able to give back and say, hey, this is what I'm saying. This is what I did. And through doing this, I've like, this makes even more sense to me. I'm able to connect to it way more because an action linked to a word creates a bond that like it's an experience that you just can't deny. And so I don't want to just, you know, get on the podium and talk. Like I want to be able to tell guys, you know, younger, older, whatever, but tell guys that there's some truth to what I'm saying because I've experienced it. And I think it's important to not just say those things, but do them as well. Yeah. And I think uh, I just read the book Anti-Fragile and the whole premise behind the book is making sure you keep skin in the game and keeping skin in the game. One allows to make sure everything that you're saying isn't BS. Like you're not just saying, hey, live this life. Hey, compete. Hey, like become a better version of yourself. And then you're just sitting on the couch, like doing whatever, like in your free time, you're doing all these crazy things and making sure it's like it's the truth. Like if you're not pushing yourself to the max limit, how are you going to tell somebody to push themselves at max limit? Like, how are you going to actually know what that takes, what that involves, what that person is going through? So making sure you keep skin in the game through that process. And that's something that you kind of just completed with this calendar club. And we're seven months or seven days away from the completion of it. But like, what kind of, what is it first of all? And what was that journey like for you? Why did you do it? Like, what did it teach you? What was calendar club? So calendar club was something that, Andrew and Sarah sent me on Feb. He sent me this on February 1st. Um, a gentleman by the name Jesse Itzler. He wrote the book Living with a Seal, uh, which was one with David Goggins. He's an ultra marathoner. He's um, one of the owners of the Hawks and he super successful guy. And so he did this thing called Calendar Club in February where you run the number of miles equivalent to the day. So February 1st, one mile. So for me, it was April 1st, one mile, April 2nd, two miles, all the way up to 30, where the 30th was was 30 miles. So it was a total total 465 miles. In a month. In a month. I ended up running 471 and a quarter. And four of those miles were on my own doing. The other miles extra was because of poor planning. Um, on the 14th, I accidentally ran an extra two miles and that's something like he talked about to start off the podcast, poor planning, poor preparation is going to cause something to go wrong. And I wasn't prepared for the day. And so I went out without a plan and I paid for it. And something I learned from that experience specifically was Like I was going in my head. I was like, all right, I ran 16 today. Well, maybe on the 16th, I can run 14. I can just switch days. Nah, you can't do that. You can't do that. You don't get to bend the rules when you decide. um, And you don't get to bend the rules because you did a poor job of planning. That's not the way the world works. Um, And I think what I learned ultimately is that I know so very little. I know so very little. Um, especially on the 30th day, like we had talked about earlier, I was getting so impatient and I was getting so irritated. And I was like, I'm really about to end this whole calendar club trying to work on these things that I'm talking about, whether it's patience and I'm sitting here pissed off. And 
And it just, it, it forced me to realize that like I'm doing something. And again, it, it goes back to like bonding the, the words with the actions creates the experience. And for me, it was, I was engaging in that experience and it forced me to be like, dude, you just ran 440, 445 miles. And you're sitting here complaining, like a guy's walking at you and he's on the wrong side and you're going to get pissed off about it, like mentally. And, and it was just, uh, it was just this experience that there's so many lessons that I still am not sure that I've learned yet. And I don't think I will for months and years. Um, but I don't feel any different. I don't feel any different. I, I feel that the next thing that I do, I want to do better in a sense of providing more value to people. Um, whether it's to like a nonprofit where I'm running for, I'm running for someone where I can use this crazy adventure to like either give dollar or provide some sort of um, attention to it. But after, like after this April calendar club, it just, it, I don't feel any different. Like I don't feel accomplished because it was, it's, I didn't set out to be a runner to accomplish calendar club. Like I, I set out to be a runner to be the best version that I can be in, in that field. So a lot of, a lot of the things that I'm learning about is just mental. It's more mental than physical. Um, and like we can dive into what that means. Um, but like the overall overarching message that I learned from calendar club in April was I have so much more that I need to learn. Yeah. And we, we talked about this. This I think this draws back a little bit is that that's the first step though. You know, like we, 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 we talked about your experience with it, with the old man that like basically like cut you off on your road and you're, you're at this 450 miles. Like you, you've done pretty much this whole month and you reach this point. And we talked about the growth that happened where you realized, wow, like I, I I'm pissed about this. And th that's the big first step of realizing that and realizing it's not right to whereas maybe a year ago, you would have been in that situation and you just would have been pissed about it. And you would have thought you were right about being pissed in that situation. And you would have thought that guy like is the worst person in the world and you would never have the thought process. And this is something I find the finding, especially in my own growth is just that almost pause moment. Like the, the emotions of your life don't go away. These things of your life don't go away. It's how you choose to react to them. And it's realizing you, you have a choice to react to them. Like you don't have to act out on every single thing that you feel, which is, like two years ago or with a lot of people, like just how they're living their life. Like it is, it is like their emotions are who they are. Yeah. And it, it's, it takes control of like the energy you bring and a lot, the energy comes from the mind. And when the source of where that's coming from is unhealthy, it's going to, it's going to cause a pattern of unhealthy behavior in other areas of your life. So like you can't walk around with that chip on your shoulder. You got to be able to be able to recognize and be aware of when that moment is like, for me, I've just been able to recognize when I am getting incrementally more irritated and I'm just like, I want to like blow up. Like I want to scream. I want to yell. I want to blame other people. And the best thing that's happened through the process is just being able to recognize that that's happening and then take a pause, like take a pause, whether it's sitting down on the side of the road, like I did and just breathing, 
whether it's sitting down and writing and journaling, whether it's like honestly reaching out to someone like you, it's, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about doing it, but being able to recognize and be aware of like how your energy is being projected out because it's, it is a reflection of what's going on inside in that source and that mindset. So you got to be able to have control of those emotions. And with this, with this running, you, you talked about how you want to, you want to bring other people along with this journey. Like what's your, your overarching goal with, with this journey? Is it to, because it's not to you, like you said, it's not about accomplishing a calendar club. It's more about like what, what was behind that calendar club? Like what, what did that do for the world? What did that do for the people around you? What did that do maybe for your personal growth, which will allow you to help the other people around you? Like what is your goal with the running to, to bring the community and world forward? You know, it's, it's a, that's a very complicated question for a lot of different, for a lot of different reasons, because I guess my initial goal of doing it was, it was something that I saw as a challenge and I kind of figured why not? Like, what's my excuse not to, and not only like through the process of doing it, I've had a number of people reach out to me, um, almost at like an overwhelming in an overwhelming way where they just talked about how like, uh, like just continue to put out that content, continue to put out and push that mindset. And like, this is how it's helped me. And so me just going out and doing this was able to bring value to other people. Um, and like it changes because when I was on the back pocket, uh, back in November, I talked about all these goals of like wanting to like win the ultra man, the like ultra Ironman championship. And like, since then, I think things have changed. Like, I think I want to go more down like the ultra running world where it's just strictly like, like we talked about on Saturday, like the hundred mile distances where the mindset plays such an important role. It's just something I can find a lot of success in and doubling down on, on that vein and understanding that if I continue to do, if I like, if I continue to continue to grow and work on myself and do try and do it at the highest level, then hopefully what that does is motivate and drive other people to do the same. Like that's all I can hope for. Cause I can't sit down and, you know, explain to someone, this is what, this is the process of how it works. Now you have to do it because ultimately they have to do it. Um, and give them that kick in the ass a little bit. Yeah. And oh. so hopefully they see me doing something and they've seen where I've began and where I've started and that it hasn't been a pretty journey. And, that like, ah, if Mark can do this and I can do it too, whatever it may be. Like now that I've completed calendar club, my confidence of like what I can do next is through the moon. And that only that confidence only continues because of what I did. It's like, if someone else can do that, like, why can't I? Like if Yoakam can start his own gym, why can't I do what I want to do? Right. And so it's like the more we live our life in the most true way of like how we want to live it at the highest level, then it allows other people to feel confident about like, dude, I was friends with him or I know him or I saw him like I can I can do that and apply that to my life. Yeah. And that that's my that dude. I love that you said that because that's one of my main fuels to my fire right now is the people around you like 
should should say like if he can do that i can do this like that that's one of my main goals like if if college version of dowdle can get out of that and do what he's doing now i can do this like if if that meathead in a college that, that like austin is if he can get to where he's at now like anybody can do that and that that's something that i love is it's it's more of the the, the mental mindset of there, there's nothing inherently special about either of us you know and there both of us have probably started way lower than 90 percent of people out there and just putting ourselves in bad situations or starting just from a lot just a lack of talent in a spot so like you you ran your first marathon like four months ago and then you ran a calendar club like it wasn't just that you trained for this and you're just this ultra runner and you're a marathoner it's the fact that you decided you want to do this and if you can do it like fuck, what's what's a runner's excuse not to do stuff like this right. now you know somebody that's actually trained in this what's somebody that has a passion for running already and has been working on this like what's their excuse now and that that's a thing that i absolutely love that you bring up yeah and it's when people reach out and be like oh you're crazy like what you're doing is insane. Like you're a madman or like, I can never do that. Part of me, like I, part of me enjoys that because like I am very different and like, like to, to try and attempt some of the things that I want to attempt, you do have to be a little different, but it doesn't mean for me, it feels like when people say that it's almost giving them the out of like, you're doing something so crazy. You must be crazy. I'm not that crazy. I can't do that. Or I can't apply that to my life. And so that's where when people say that, I'm like, damn, like I'm missing something. I'm not making that connection to people at a over like overarching uh, level. And I don't want people to see some of the things I'm doing though. You're just crazy, man. Cause then it's, it doesn't, it doesn't provide the like impact that I want it to provide. Cause I want to, like you said, I want to kick, kick people in the ass to get up and motivate them to do and accomplish their goals. But if they see some of the things I'm doing and they can't relate to it, then it's, it's, I'm not achieving that side of things. And then I'm just that crazy person that's going to run across the country. <laughs> and that, that's, uh, that's, that's why I created this podcast is the, the premise behind that. Cause you, you see it all the time If people say, that I talk about how you, you see people where they're at now. Like they, they see you now at the, the top in quotations of this mountain. You're still going to climb more mountains to come, but they see you running these crazy things and they forget where you were a year ago. You know, and this is something that I think a lot of people struggle with is that they see successful people where they are, where they're at. And then they get that, that doubt in their head. Like, Oh, that person has something. I don't, that person is crazy. I'm not crazy. That person has a mental skill set I don't have. And what I love doing is bringing super successful people on here and showing the world like that. That's not none of that's true. Like all of us started in the same spot. Most really successful people started way lower than where you are currently at. Right. You can make that path up. Right. That person made that path. There's, there's somebody has done it before. There's a way to do it. It's just making that decision to do it and not looking at that person and be like, holy shit, like that, that person must have been born that way. That person, I, I can never catch up. I mean, that, that none of that's true. Yeah, and, and you're referring back to like college down hole. And it wasn't like, I, I think what the most Im important piece is like the intentionality. Because there was a lot of destruction, quote unquote, going on that I was causing myself because I, ha I didn't have intention. So like when you, you'd see me out because you were a bouncer, like it, I kind of related to like, 
like a like a puppy dog or some, some something that has so much energy, doesn't know how to control the energy. You leave the house for a, you know the day and you leave food on the counter like you're gonna come back and there's gonna be food everywhere the garbage can is gonna be like knocked over but the dog's intention wasn't to like cause pain to your day and that was very similar to like me going out and like i didn't go out with the intention of like not like having a good time or not um you know, like you see me out and you're like, fuck, I get like, it's going to be one <laughs> I of those kicked out. Wow. I gotta <laughs> kick him out. Um, there wasn't like the intention of causing that tension between you and I or me and other people or uh, anything in that vein. But it was just like there was no intention. And it was just this carefree, careless, like nothing I do today matters in 10 years. So why should it matter right now? Like, why should I feel that that like um, commitment to myself in the future. And I can't remember who made this point or made this quote, but like, if you were truly a selfish person, you would be one of the most respectful people. Because if you look at yourself over the timeline of your life, you, you yourself are a community of yous. Like you today is different from you tomorrow. And you tomorrow is different from you in two weeks and two years and five years and 20 years. That's a community of yous. So if you were really being selfish, you would have in mind those people that are you in two weeks and two years and two months, whatever it may be. And you would, you would honor them by acting the best way you can today and living the most intentional way you can today because you want to set yourself up for success moving forward. So if you really were being selfish, you would live in a way that was intentional and respectable and um, have an attitude about you that wasn't just about you, but you over the timeline of your life. And for me, it was just like, fuck this, fuck everything, like carefree, like that type of attitude. And it just can't win in that game. Nobody, nobody wins in that game. And it, it goes back to a little bit of the, like you talked about juggling, like everything. And we, yeah. we talked about like being able to build that foundation to where you're not juggling stuff. Like you're not standing and you talk about like juggling everything, trying to keep it up in the air. I, I break it down to like, I was just standing on like a toothpick and that was all I had. Like if I took a step to the right, I was going to fall over to forward. Like I was falling off this cliff and that's all I had was this little toothpick because I'd spent so much time focusing on juggling these things and focusing on building stuff above me and not focusing on that actual foundation of who I am and what this is. And what was kind of like for you, the, you, you talked about like the, that intentionality, like what, how did that flip that? And that's what I'm interested in is that like that flip to you said, Hey, this is, this is the, the intentionality behind it. Cause you, you had that question. And it, when we talk about this, it seems like you knew throughout the process, you didn't have that. Like, it wasn't like you were just going through and like, you didn't realize it, but it was like, you knew you didn't have it. What was the switch to decide like, all right, I want intentionality now. Yeah. And I think that goes off to like leadership and for me, I was always looked at as a leader on my sports teams and I didn't really want that leadership in a lot of ways because I didn't feel like when we talk about juggling, it's like somebody's going to find something out and know you're full shit. So I don't want to be head of something where people are looking up to me and then they find out the truth that I'm leading them in a certain direction. That's not right. Like I, <laughs> I remember specifically, like, just always wanting to lead from the back. Like, someone's got to do it. You should have a leader in the back. 
And I liked being in the back and being able to see everything in front of me so that nobody's eyes could be on me. And like, that's how I viewed my leadership during that time was like, I want, I don't want to be seen because I am not living in a way that is a good, uh, a good standard for other people to abide by. And it was just like the constant, um, the constant, like knowing that in my head and trying to suppress that feeling of, you know, you're not doing the things you're supposed to do. Um, like that just starts building and building and building. And so when that, it wasn't like a moment that it made that switch, but it was like, it was, it was the period senior year where I was like, you got to figure something out here. Like you're, you're running into the same issues in the same areas. And like, eventually you got to stop pointing the finger at other people or at other objects or things. And you got to do that internally. And that's where I just started asking myself those questions. And I would sit there and I would just think I'd go off on my own. I'd reflect. And it wasn't, it wasn't anything more than starting to ask myself questions. And when you start to ask yourself those questions and they're deep questions and they're thorough and thoughtful, you have to come up with answers that, no one else is, it's, it's like, it's you and yourself. Like those were the most important times to make that switch to live intentionally. And I'm not like, I'm not saying I do it every second of every day, because like I said, from the April calendar club, I am so far from where I want to be. And it's like that end, endless game that you'll play the rest of your life of always trying to get a little bit better. Um, but it just started with the questions yeah. started asking yourself. And I think with the questions a really, really important part there is to make sure when you're, when you're asking those questions and you're writing down those questions that you're answering them truthfully, you know, and like that's something that I think you can get away with a lot of times is you can ask that question, but are you going to be truthful with yourself about where you're at? Like, even if you don't like that answer, like, are you going to tell yourself the truth in that moment? Like, where are you truly at? And there was a lot of times early on, especially I would lie to myself. Like <laughs> you're like, I'm asking these questions and you tell yourself you're okay when you're really not. But the more you, more you dive into those and the more you ask yourself, like, am I still making those same mistakes? Am I still, am I seeing improvements on an incremental level? Like you can lie to yourself and certainly did in the beginning. But the more you ask yourself those questions and the more you like, you have to want to be better. Like you can't expect anyone else to want it for you. You got to want it for yourself. And that's what it came down to. Yeah. And this is something that I, uh, I've been trying to, I've been writing it down almost every day. And a lot of my writing is making sure I emphasize, like I'd rather have my feelings hurt by truth than my life hurt by lies and mm -hmm. talking about that you can lie to yourself all the time and it won't hurt your feelings, but like in the long run, like that's going to destroy your life or destroy where you're trying to go. And if in the short term, you're just able to tell yourself the truth, uh, tell people the truth, tell like have the truth be told to you and it hurts the emotions in that little bit and realizing like you're not your emotions. You can take that break out in the long run. Like that's not hurting your life. You know, like right. your life is going to press forward. And that's something that I really like enjoyed talking about. And and the, when you do it yourself or someone else points it out for you and it really does hurt, like lean into that, figure out why that's hurting. Yeah.
because you're going to find some answers that you've been suppressing for a while. Um, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Dr. Tomajan brought that up. He, uh, he's talking about like pain, pain, like we do so many things in our communities and so many things in our life. And then this world to try and suppress pain in so, so many different ways. Like he's like emotionally, like physically, like even think about like Tylenol and stuff to just, he's like, what we're doing there is avoiding like what is causing that pain. You know, if it's physical, like why are you physically in pain? If it's mental, emotional, like spiritual, like why are you in that pain? And if you're using stuff, if you're using supplements, you're using things to avoid that pain, you're never ever going to get to the root cause of it. Right. And that's a, that's a good place for me to jump in and talk about like when I go run, especially those longer distances, I don't listen to music. I don't listen to podcasts. It's me and my thoughts and I'm just out there on my own. I rarely bring a phone out um, unless I'm trying to update, update, you know, people on where I'm at, but it's an opportunity to search for those answers that I don't necessarily have the answers to in that moment. Like uh, it's, it's the opportunity to meditate and do some soul searching. That's, like physically challenging, mentally challenging. And when you go out and you run, like when I went out and I did my 50 mile race in Arizona in January, like I was out there for 12 and a half hours, freaking learn some things about myself during that time. And when you do that, you like, you want to find out more about yourself. And so the only way I know how is going back out there and doing it better or doing it going farther or, um, putting myself in back in that situation because that's the process. Like you can't just go out in one day on one race specific to my situation and learn a whole lot and be like, ah, now I know who I am because you have, if you don't like readjust your goals or readjust what's important to you and that constant, like constant reiteration, then you're going to, you're going to fall off somewhere. And that's why like, I go back and I listen to the podcast I had back in November and it's like, my goals aren't the same from that. That's okay. Like I'm not, I'm not restricted to those goals and I'm constantly adjusting. And like, that's why I say no music, no music, just, just my, my thoughts. And, and on those days specifically when my brain is racing a million miles an hour, that helps me run. It does because then my brain's going and my feet are moving. But on other days when I've just had a long day and my brain's shut off, like we've all been there when we're sitting on the couch and we're just numb in the head. Like I go run and I just hear the feet in the earth. Just and it's just it's like music. It just puts me in a different space where I can go back out like <laughs> like I can chase a deer. <laughs> Like I chased the deer for three and a half miles and I forgot where I was. Like, it was amazing. And it was like, in a situation like that, it's like, I had an intention and a goal to like chase down this deer and it set me free from everything else that was going on. And it's different than if you're just going out for a run and you put the headphones in and you're trying to distract yourself and you're like, I'm trying to go on this run to like, either get in the workout or I'm trying to like escape these feelings and emotions and these, these thoughts I'm having. It's not an escape. It's a way for you to go deeper into those and dig into those. And like, if this hurts, like dig into it because like eventually if you just try and ignore it or escape it, it's going to find its way else in some other area. And 
made too many mistakes to try and continue to do that to myself. Yeah. And I think this, we, we talk about all the time, like you, you look at lifting and you're like, I can't, I can't do something like that. Like I, I don't want to sit there lift something heavy and come back out of it. And then lifters look at you and like, I don't want to go fucking around. Like I don't want to do that yeah. stuff. And I bring it back to, and I've been thinking about this while I don't know why that stuck with me when you talked about that in one of the, one of the hot tub toss we had, but I talk about like finding your meditation. Like I, I, I don't, the reason I lift, the only reason I lift is to find that meditation for me to unlock the key to those emotions, to unlock the key to that pathway in your brain. And it doesn't matter what it is for the person listening, like whatever that thing is that allow you, allows you to enter that spot in your brain, like do it. Like, I don't care if it's running. I don't care if it's lifting. Like, I don't care what your pathway to get there is, but many people aren't getting there. They're, they're sitting with that numbness, you know, that, that brain where it's not going. And that's where life can get really long. Life's not moving forward and you're, you're kind of stuck. And I've been there before. And I want to emphasize, like, find your meditation, whatever that is for you. Find the keys that's going to unlock the bars that are on your mind. Like, for me, running was a great way to, like, I had the keys. I didn't know where it, they were, but I found it through running. And like, I'm able to free my mind and dig deep into my soul through running is the same thing you are with lifting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to find it as well as I do through lifting, just as you wouldn't be, probably be able to find it as well through running. Like, that's why you have your thing and I have my thing. And then we can talk in our, in the hot tub and like, Talk about what we learn, and a lot of the things that we talk about are on the same wavelength. Because when you go deep into that space that's unique to you, you learn all these things, and it's it's just super cool to to go into that space and like calling back to what we talked about earlier, and and like feel it in such a connected way of just like reading in a textbook or like reading it or having a coach or a mentor say it to you and just being like, logically, that makes sense. But until you connect to it on a deeper level, it's not going to internalize and make sense. And like, I've, I've learned a lot of things. I try and write them all down. That doesn't mean that I've learned them. Like they are going to come up every day for the rest of my life in some way or another. And so it's like patience is something I've been really working on. And I'm like, okay, I was really good here. And you think you're like, yeah, all right, you can't just check it off uh, in the checkbox. Like it's going to come back and you don't know where it's going to come back. But when you're aware of like, this is something I'm working on and I know how to handle that situation, um, you'll be in such a better spot. I was looking at Tommy Bishop's LinkedIn today and he was talking about Michael Phelps and how Michael Phelps, he got bored of imagining himself being the champion. And um, he started to count his strokes, how long it would take to get to that pool, uh, the end of the pool and back, like what strokes. And so when he won his 10th gold medal or whatever, his goggles were filled up with water and it was like nothing, no problem for him. He knew how to handle the situation because he had, there was something he was working on and he tried to figure out how else it could, could go wrong and understanding that it could go wrong and it will go wrong. So how am I going to be able to handle that situation? So the more you just practice those like fundamental basic um, values and you really try to internalize them, you'll be able to like start to see them in other areas of your life where they're missing. And that's uh, 
that's that's basically just breaking down that like the, the the flood is coming that, that that was one thing that I, I really like had to eat up in my life is trying to avoid those water the water in your goggles you know like mm-hmm. just trying to avoid those periods rather than writing it down accepting that these things in your life are going to pop up it doesn't matter what path you're on like these things in your life are going to pop up these challenges in your life are going to pop up it like how are we reacting to them are are we mentally prepared for that flood to come are we physically prepared for that flood to come are we going to when that flood comes going to be able to help others like through that situation you know rather than be able like just destroyed from that flood because you you tried to ignorantly like be ah i got it like yeah whatever like that's that's all right that's the ego talking yeah you've got it figured out man you're good you learned that lesson like no you're constantly trying to learn the lesson over and over again. It's just, yeah, that's the ego talking right there. And the ego, that is something that and we, we, we've had tons of deep, deep dives on the ego and how, how it feels you for some things and destroys you for many. Um, before we dive into the rapid fire round, I want to, I want to, this is a question that I love asking the guest and it's, what, what has been your biggest eye opener recently? And this is something maybe it's in the last week, maybe it's today, maybe it was, the last year, like what has been your biggest eye opener to this? This is my next step. This is my next pathway in life. Yeah. And it's something I was writing down today. And I think what I talked about earlier is like how little I know based on all the things that I've like maybe would have expected to come from calendar club. So like just how little I know. And I, I talked about preparation I talked about how feeling prepared is much better than trying to wing something or like you just said, like, oh, I've, I've figured that out. Like I've learned that lesson, so I don't need to work on it anymore. And like, it goes into like meetings at work or, um, like going into a long run, like on the 14th or, like back when I was taking tests, I really wasn't preparing for them. I was preparing to get through the test. But during that test, when I was like trying to figure out all the answers for them, it was the most stressful thing in the world because I wasn't prepared and I was just searching for the results in those situations. And like what the biggest eye opener is just preparation is so important. And how you prepare for situations, at least for me, is, is way more mental than anything. And trying to use every situation as a situation to learn. Like we t- talked about the other day when we were in here on Saturday about like just trying to be a better listener and like what cues and what things like when you're watching a, a video on YouTube between two people that are doing a virtual podcast, like it's very hard for them to express and like use vocal cues to say, Hey, I'm listening to you. So it's like, how can you learn from that? And it's like, you gotta be a little more visual and the head nods. And it's just like preparing and uh, leading yourself in a way that's, that it's just constant. Yeah. To be, to be able to learn from something. I think that that's, that's huge. And I think it goes back to our ego talk a little bit is like once you truly eliminate the ego and you're able to learn from everything like that, that was something that I thought was awesome the other day when we talked about the, the how do people communicate over Zoom and something like I had been thinking about that and examining it and just looking and being a people watcher, trying to learn how people communicate over Zoom. And when I brought that up, 
it was awesome that you had been doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, like we were on the same wavelength because yeah. we realized like you can learn in any situation yeah. and you could take something from every situation. And I, two years ago, there's no way in hell I would have been in a situation to be able to like I would have just sat there and got through those Zoom meetings. I would have sat there and been like, screw this. Like, yeah. it, it, like these people suck at this, like whatever. And I, I thought that was I geeked out about that. We were both on the same <laughs> wavelength of watching people and learning how they communicate over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, a lot of the things we say, I guess everything we say is nothing new to anybody listening. Um, but just constantly trying to reiterate those things, those messages in your head, like the cliches, as much as that may be, it's like the more you try and embody those, the more you're going to see changes happen in your life. Boom. All right, let's transition to rapid fire round. We're, we're going to start off with the first question. Uh, I, lo- I love this question because it's uh, kind of fuels my passion for reading. But what are, what are kind of been your favorite books to push you to this mindset and get you to where you're at right now? So my book reading, I was telling someone today, um, it's been slacking. Um, and it's people won't believe it but inherently i'm very lazy i'm a very <laughs> lazy person and he's like dude you can't just have complete a calendar club and tell me you can't read like two pages a day and so one of the books i'm reading right now is the catcher in the rye um just a classic uh book um and then the other one that i picked up in the fall that I'm still reading is seven habits of highly effective people. I've had that one for quite some time. The ones that I've actually read in full are tipping point. And, um, I listened to the David Goggins, um, can't hurt me on audio version. So if anyone's looking to read that book, um, ever, it's funny. Everyone asks me now, like, have you read this book? Like they always, they always relate me to Goggins and like that type of mindset. And yes, I've, I've listened to the audiobook, And the reason I'd suggest the audiobook is because after each chapter, him and the person that's like reading the book, they sit down and they do a podcast and kind of review the last chapter and the situations. And it just offers a cool insight to the book that I don't think you get by reading it. Um, so those are two books that and tipping point were two books that I've, I've read <laughs> very honestly, I've read. So Boom. who, who is the next guest that you think we should have on this podcast? There's a, there's a number of guests that I think would be great, but I'd love to, I'd love to hear from, um, you're very coach centric podcast, it seems. And I love to, if I had to like suggest two coaches, it'd be coach Brian Rose and coach Nick Olson. I think it would be great to have them on, um, and just hear about where their journey is at. Um, they're older than us by quite some years. And so I think they call us knuckleheads quite a bit and it'd just be good to hear about their path, how the coaching, um, realm has changed and what they've seen over the years, because I think there is a lot of things that have changed since they started compared to how we're starting and how you use social media and how you connect with the players. And I love to hear their perspective from when they started to now and 
kind of their viewpoint on that. So yeah, if we have him on the podcast, you also have to interview those yeah, two. So they can just make fun of us the entire time. Be there for that. <laughs> uh, and this is, I think you're probably going to have the best answer for this one compared to other guests. But what's next for you? What's kind of that next crazy challenge? Maybe it's a one year goal. Maybe it's a five yeah, year goal. But yeah. what's kind of Dowdle's next thing? The next goal that I actually just put on my calendar today, my boss kind of put me into it because I was, we're what, May 7th and I've done absolutely nothing. I've done nothing. <laughs> I did a live Instagram Alchemy 365 workout on Saturday. I haven't done anything. And I mean, I haven't walked a mile. <laughs> I haven't picked up a weight. It's been bad. And so I was like, I need to put something on the calendar right now. Um, there's two things. One thing, um, I think you might've said this, like, what would it feel like to squat walk lunge a full mile like walk lunge a full mile mm-hmm. so i think that would be something just <laughs> now um the other thing is it's gonna suck that's gonna how it's suck. gonna feel yeah yeah but i would just want to see how <laughs> it would go but the next thing that was going to take place june 27th is what the date we have on the calendar right now is um a city to city run from duluth to st paul i'm going to start in duluth at uh, university of minnesota what is that? Minnesota State, Duluth. Mm-hmm. At UMD, I'm going to start on their campus, on their track. And then I'm going to finish at St. Thomas. Um, it really just came to me a few months ago. There was a, a woman who she just finished swimming from the Catalina Islands to the shore of Los Angeles, which is a 30-mile swim. She hopped on a bike and biked for like 500, 600 miles. And then she ran um, in Death Valley, 135 miles, the Badwater 135. It was just like a triathlon. And I was like, holy shit. If like a human being can do that, what is something I can do that is like crazy <laughs> that I can do in a weekend? And so I just started looking at cities and I looked at St. Cloud and I was like, that's not far enough. I can do that. And I looked at Duluth and it was 160 miles and I'm like, we can do that in a weekend. So the plan is to start on uh, Friday night, Saturday morning at midnight um, and then run till I reach St. Paul. And so I have the weekend because I got to make it to work on Monday. So, <laughs> um, but that's something like I'd like to incorporate some charity or some nonprofit, something that I can um, not just do for myself, but if I can raise some money or do something that provides value to more than just myself, like I think that would be super cool. So I don't know what that looks like. Um, I got to sit down and plan that out and really start to plan that out. Um, but yeah, a city to city run from Duluth to St. Paul. You said 161 miles? 161 miles. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. So look at that as four quarters. Yep. We'll see. Uh, next guest, try, try and one up that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is uh next question. This is one of my favorite ones of the podcast. But when when all this running stuff's over, all football, coaching, all the busy stuff is over, you're on your deathbed. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want them to say about Mark Dowdle? I want them to to really state that he was a he's a person that lived honestly and overall like. I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was the back pocket one with Ian Deloney or Delaney. And one of his quotes was don't die wondering. Mm. And that just really hit home with me is like, I don't want, like I second guess myself quite a bit and I just don't want to be a person that 
like didn't live to the fullest potential. And I guess what I mean by that is I don't want anything to hinder me that I can control. Like I don't want to make bad decisions that might slow my growth in, in the greatest way. Or um, like, I just want me to live to the best version that I can. And that vein is for me running and when they're on, when I'm on my deathbed, I want people to say that they were inspired to live their most unique and self like life because I was doing that. Um, I think that's a, that's a really deep question. And it's so hard for me as a 23 year old to try and imagine what my thoughts are going to be like on that day. And I think what I'm saying right now is not going to be anywhere near what I am going to be saying during that time. Cause I think it evolves. And yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it should be. No. And that's why I love this. Like yeah. in five years, if we have this podcast, you should be able to look back and be like, none of that. Yeah. Honestly, like we're going to sit down a year, a year and a half, and we're going to do another podcast together. And we're going to listen back to this one and just laugh. Like it's going to be funny because Right now, we, <laughs> I think, I think we both know that like we don't know anything, but I think the, I don't know if it's the ego, but like, I think we both also are like, we're learning so much right, right yeah. now. We're also 23, 24 yeah. year old dudes yeah. that like you can talk about elimination of ego and having that awareness, but at the end of the day, it's there. Yes. And so it's like, it's something that's there and you can't suppress completely, but we're going to look back and be like, these two 23-year-old, 24-year-old 20, idiots think they knew so much and they know nothing. And so it's just like trying to keep that mindset consistent of like, I really, I really know that I know nothing and I'm trying to learn more. And the more I learn, the more or the less I know. Yeah. Like and if we d- if we don't look back on this podcast and think that, yes. like we fucked up. Yes. Like we fucked yes. up somewhere along <laughs> yeah. the path. Yeah. All right. Last question of the podcast. It, you, your billboard message for someone that's in a valley that, that maybe they're at that that spot in college of like trying to figure things out. They're they're in this dumpster fire. They're not feeling great about where they want, and they've decided to come to you to change their life, to push forward, to get on the path. What's your billboard message for that person? My billboard message is to start to be aware of how you're living right now. Like, are you really happy? Um, What questions are you asking yourself? There is a unique study done with people who are trying to quit smoking. And at least for this study and with this group of people, the most effective way that got them to stop smoking was telling them not to stop smoking, but telling them to go smoke and then while they're smoking, be aware of all the emotions, all the feelings, all of the things that was incorporated with that experience. So the burning of the, the flame going down your throat and hitting your lungs. And um, how did that make you feel? How do you like the taste? So if you're, si- if you're sitting and you're listening to this and you're sitting on your couch and you're playing video games or your buddies are playing video games or you're just like you're not very happy and you think that you could be giving more to the world than you've started. And like, just continue to be patient and say, give me a year.
to look back on this moment and see how different I feel by just taking incremental steps. Like it starts with that awareness because you're going to screw up 90% of the time, even after you start asking those questions. And once you can look back, it's so nice to look back on a year and just see where you've come from. And like, man, I'm just like me, I'm excited for next year. Like, I'm excited for it to be able to look back in a year. And when you start to get that urge of like excitement of like, you've seen growth and then you can like what I, what I've done and what I've tried to do is like, think of you, the coolest version of yourself, like a guy that you would almost be um, intimidated to go like talk to and hang out with. Like, what does that person of yourself look like in like 10 years? (laughs) And like, how do you get there? Like, how do you be that? Like, how do you be so cool to yourself that you yourself are afraid to talk to yourself? Like that really starts to straighten me out. It's like, holy shit, I could, I could be that. Like, how do I be that? Because I know I can because it's myself. I'm visualizing myself and how that looks and start working toward that. Like, what can I do right now to start being like that and embodying who my like fullest potential myself is? And to me, like if you can get jacked off, jacked up. <laughs> jacking off on the podcast Uh, if you can get jacked up on the idea of yourself fuck you're gonna start like there's gonna be a fire that's that's burning in you that you can't ignore and Mm -hmm. eventually you're gonna have to start doing it so at the end of the day we all have a book somebody has to be a hero yeah yeah fuck yeah we did it there we go we gotta we got uh wanna just show people like this this is uh weekly hot tub talks yeah. like this is what we talked about and we're not just like kind of BSing it like this is this is the level we get to and I think if you surround yourself with the right people like trying to continue to have conversations with people like this to like I'm amped right now you know like <laughs> and just having that like the little wavelength connection with somebody like I think it's so powerful to just show people like it's there you yeah. can have that and there's a lot of there's a lot of like surface level stuff out there but if you find the right people and you're, you're you yourself are willing to do it, you'd have talks like this. So that begs the the question that kind of asked you earlier. It's like we got to find a place to live together. We got to have <laughs> these hot top talks uh, more than just once a week. So we'll we'll work on that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say it out loud right here, so it's out in the public. He's speaking it into existence. I'm speaking it into existence that. Austin and I are going to live together. <laughs> Whether Austin wants to or not, <laughs> it's going to happen. Well, boom. Thank you for being on the podcast. Appreciate you having me. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood.